Hey guys, I don't know of a better way to bring in a Wednesday than that. Amen. Just, it's just good to be in God's house midweek, just kind of get a jump start thinking about God, looking in his word, singing his praise. You know, let's just thank Alan for leading us tonight. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we just love you and we thank you for the gift of voice and music and praise and we just thank you for the gift of life, that you have breathed life into us, not only creating us physically, but also breathing spiritual life into us. And, and we praise you, Lord. We, we live in a fallen, sinful world, and yet we get these glimpses of what heaven will be like. And we're, we're grateful that you've not left us without instruction, that you've given us your holy word to just give us uh, encouragement, direction, and um, guidance, conviction, and, and challenge. And, and I just pray that those things would be true tonight, that you would just, um, you would feed our souls, and that you would encourage everyone who's taken the time to come out tonight, Lord. And I just pray for your enablement. I, do, I just pray that you'd fill me. I pray that you'd use me and just guide me through this passage. And uh, truly, as we walk away from here tonight, I, I just pray that we'd be we would feel blessed to just be in your house. And we just pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. December 31st, U.S. Embassy, Baghdad, Iraq, was attacked. Iran-backed uh, militia burned the checkpoint there. Uh, in front of the embassy, smashed windows, lit fires on the roof, fire bombed a second gate, and raised the militia flags over our uh, embassy. There was an immediate response from our government. 6,350 new troops were immediately deployed. Uh, to Iraq. That's 3,000 ground troops, 2,400 Marines, 850 paratroopers, 100 Army Rangers. And then on January 3rd, the known architect of many of those attacks, uh, Soleimani, was targeted and terminated. Most recent events you guys know of, unless your head's in the sand. <laughs> uh, 22 Iranian missiles were launched on U.S. Uh, troop locations in Iraq. No casualties. Praise God. Uh, but the situation's serious, obviously, and it is being monitored. And there has to be a, uh, a seriously a state of constant readiness. And that's what I believe our government has. And there has to be a state of constant readiness against any enemy, uh, this combat readiness. And uh, it's got to be true for our nation. And it needs to be true for you. And so many Christians are not combat ready. They totally forget the world in which we live and the battle that we face. And the battle is a spiritual one. And we need spiritual armor. And you know where I'm going with this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Because every single Christian, you and I included, has to be combat ready. Um, we've been studying through the book Pilgrim's Progress. Okay? And we're looking not just at the book that John Bunyan wrote, but we're looking at the scripture behind this incredible classic allegory of the Christian life as a man named Christian who's a pilgrim travels through this world on his way to the celestial city, on his way to heaven. And as we've been studying it, we've come to the place where he's entered a palace. Anybody remember what the name of the palace is? The palace what? Beautiful. The palace beautiful. Anybody remember what it stands for? Church. It's the church. He calls the church the palace beautiful because it's a place where Christians can come and rest their weary souls. And I, and I hope and I pray that's how you feel about our church. 
that when you come into our church, it's a place of beauty. Not architecturally, not those things, but for your soul. That when you come in this place, when you come to God's house, you are refreshed, you are encouraged. And that's what Pilgrim is being is finding. His soul is being refreshed in the palace beautiful. And, uh, and, and he's given a tour of the palace beautiful by those that are there. And uh, they take him from room to room to room, and they take him to a room uh, of faith in the study. He's learning about faith. And we looked at the great hall of faith, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and we saw brave men and brave women. Before he leaves the house beautiful, before he leaves the church, he's brought into a place called the armory. And this is what we've read last time, and we're going to read it tonight. Now he bethought to himself of setting forward, and they were willing he should. But first they said, let us go again into the armory. So they did. And when he came there, they harnessed him from head to foot with what was proof, lest perhaps he should meet assaults in the way. And so they wanted to make sure Christian was well prepared for the battles he was going to face in the world when he left the church. My prayer as a shepherd, as a pastor, is that you will feel well prepared when you leave the house beautiful, when you leave the church for what you're going to face in the world, what you're going to face tomorrow, what you're going to face uh, this coming week. So if you have your Bibles, look at Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, these are the verses we looked at last time. Verse 10 through 13 says this. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the what? The whole armor, the full armor of God. So we've got a problem right off the bat. There's a lot of Christians that are running around half naked. Okay. They have the helmet of salvation on and that's about it. Okay. Um, so you got to put the full armor on so that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Why? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the what? Whole armor, full armor of God. He mentions it again so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Our verses for tonight are verse 14 and 15. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So how are we going to be combat ready? How are we going to armor up, so to speak? Now, he gives us six, seven, depending how you look at the passage, pieces of armor. We're just going to look at a few tonight. But before we get into these individual pieces, I want, you to, I want to point out something. This is the third time he says, stand firm. Verse 11, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, so that you'll be able to resist in the evil done day, having everything uh, done, everything to what? Stand firm. And now in verse 14, stand firm. Guess what he wants you to do? <laughs> he wants you to stand firm. And it's the picture of a boxer. It's a picture of a boxer, not in retreat, not running, but standing firm. He's solid, he's unbending, and he's not giving an inch, spiritually speaking. You are not to give an inch to the enemy, spiritually speaking. You are to stand firm. And he says, therefore, based on the reality of the spiritual battle, based on the power of the enemy, based on everything he's talked about. So what are these things? What are we going to learn tonight? This is the first one. Surround yourself with the truth. That's the first piece of armor. Truthfulness. Truth. 
So we surround ourselves with the truth. He says, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Girded loins. What is that a picture of? Well, your loins are your hip and lower abdomen area. Okay, that's that area. And girding is basically saying, get ready for action. Get ready for action. Now, these guys wore tunics in the old days. And what they would do is they would take up their tunic and they would tuck it into their belt so they were ready for action whether they were running, whether they were battling, whatever it was do, was going on. And the belt also, that is where all the other pieces of armor were attached and held together, okay, um, uh, many of them. So this is what he's saying. Wrap your whole life up in the truth. If you want to stand firm in this world, you have to be a man or woman of everything to do with truth. So make sure there's no cracks in your armor, okay? Is there any deception in my life? Are there any half-truths? Are there any lies? He's like, that's a crack in your armor. And you're going to fall and you're going to fail in this Christian life. You've got to be a person of truth, okay? So you've got to purge and I've got to purge all deception and any trace of lies out of our lives. So that means I need to have honesty in my marriage. I need to have honesty with my finances. I need to be honest with my taxes. I need to have honesty with my coworkers and honesty with my boss or honesty with my employees. I need to be honest with my children. So there can't be deception in any area of our life. And if there's any area, even the smallest part in your life or mine, we've got to confess that as sin to God because that's going to trip us up in this Christian life. So honesty is still the what? Best policy, okay? So you wrap your entire life with the truth. And there has to be an all-out commitment to the truth. If you were here Sunday, I briefly looked at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Don't let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck Write them on the tablet of your heart. Why? You'll find favor and good repute, good reputation in the sight of God and man. And so the importance of being kind and also truthful, being truthful, okay? Now, flee falsehood. Let me give you another verse. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 through 9. It's a very interesting passage. It's a prayer to God. And he says, two things I asked of you, God. He's only going to ask two things. He says, these are the two things I'm asking for, from God. Do not refuse me before I die. What would you ask of God? Two things. Keep deception and lies far from me. That's the first thing he asks. He said, God, I don't want to be deceptive and I don't want to lie. I don't want to be caught up in, 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 in anything to do with deception. Keep deception and lies far from me. The second thing is interesting. He says, give me, give me neither poverty nor riches. He says, I don't want to be rich and forget about you. I don't want to be poor and be somebody who steals. He says, I just want to learn contentment in this life. But the first one is what we're after for tonight. He's like, keep these things from me. Deception and lies. Does God hate, hate lies? Yeah. Anybody know where God's most hated list is? The seven top sins God hates. Anybody tell me where they are? Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, gives you God's most hated sins. By the way, lying makes the list twice. It's the only sin that makes it twice. 
There are six things which the Lord hates, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, pride. A lying tongue, second one. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies. There's the second time. And one who spreads strife among brothers. So lies is on God's most hated list twice. Uh, why is that? For numerous reasons. Um, who was the one in the garden who started the entire downfall of man? Tell me. The serpent. The serpent. And what is he known as? The father of what? Lies. Jesus' words to the religious leaders in John eight forty four. You're of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. How much truth is in the evil one? None. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he's a liar and the father of lies. So every time you've ever told a lie, every time I've ever been deceptive, Anytime we've had any deception or lies in our life, and we all have because we're sinners, okay? I want you to understand who you partnered with. You partnered with the devil. We need to understand the seriousness of it. It's one thing I've always uh, taught my children, and the seriousness of lies. Never let your children get away with a lie. Make sure there are consequences when your children are caught in a lie. They must understand the seriousness of lying. It is not a cute thing. It is a very serious thing when our children lie. And we must snuff it out immediately because God hates lies. They are destructive. And we don't want our kids partnering with the devil. And God doesn't want us partnering with the devil. So tell the whole truth, tell the truth, the whole truth and what? Nothing but the truth, okay? So armor up, combat ready. First one, surround yourself with what? The truth. Uh, Here's the second thing. Pursue all-out righteousness. Just pursue all-out righteousness. He says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, he says, having put it on, whose responsibility is it to dress you in the morning? Please don't say your wife, men. (laughs) Whose responsibility is it to dress us? ourselves, right? He says, having put it on. So, so we need to be big people here. We need to understand righteousness is our responsibility. Nobody else's responsibility. We're held responsible. We're held responsible to make sure we're doing what is right, acting in a way that is right and being righteous. Okay. Now breastplate is something that covers the full torso and, ah, they shut this door. Nuts. Oh, it's open. Good. All right. So, what I wanted to do is just take out this, the security team has all kinds of fun stuff in here. So, and what is this? It's a, it's a bulletproof vest, okay? Nowadays in churches, pastors might want to wear these things. Uh, sad, but true. Okay, so what does a bulletproof vest protect? The vital organs of the body. That's what it does, okay? So that's what the breastplate does. It protects the vital organs of the body, all right? And this is what righteousness does. Righteousness protects what is vital in your life, 
all right? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. So what is righteousness? It's living in obedience to God. That's what it is. So it's being obedient when it comes to making decisions in my life. It's being obedient when it comes to taking direction in my life, all right? Uh, Romans chapter 6, 11 through 13 says this. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Don't obey any temptation or lust. Uh, Lust of the flesh can come in a lot of different ways. A lot of times we think lust of the flesh and our minds automatically go to what kind of sin? Sexual sin. But there's all kinds of lust. There's a lust for sleep, which becomes laziness. There's a lust for food, which becomes gluttony. There's, there's a lust for immorality, and that's sexual. There's, there's all kinds of lusts, okay? So we've got to be careful not to live according to our lusts, all right? Um, but, and then he says this, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. He's talking about members, that's your body, any part of your body. So I need to make sure my eyes are instruments of righteousness. Making sure I'm not looking at pornography. Making sure I'm not lusting after somebody. I need to make sure my hands are instruments of righteousness that they're not smacking my children in anger or taking something that doesn't belong to me. I need to make sure my feet are instruments of righteousness, that they're, they're going where they should be going. I need to make sure my mouth is an instrument of righteousness, that it's saying words that build up and edify and not curse or put down or, or anything like that. So he's saying, make sure your body and all that comes with your body is an instrument of righteousness to God, okay? Here's some good reminders when it comes to righteousness. Proverbs 15, 9. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves the one who pursues righteousness. Go after righteousness. Whatever is right, go after it, pursue it. All right, so pursue what's right. Matthew 6.33, you know this verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So we go from pursuing righteousness to seeking what's, what is his righteousness. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever is true and honorable, whatever is right. Think on these things, dwell on these things. So pursue what's right and seek what's right and think what's right. And then Ephesians 4.29, I just mentioned, no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. So speak what is right. So pursue it, seek it, think it, and speak it. All right, so surround yourself with the truth. Pursue all out righteousness And then the last one we're going to look at tonight is peace, all right? So embrace peace, and that enables us to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shoddy feet, what is that? Well, it's not shoddy, but shod your feet. What is that? Well, think Roman soldier sandals, all right? 
and hobnails or spikes is what they would put in the bottom. Um, I have a certain trail running shoe I, I run with when it's icy conditions, they have spikes on them and I just maintain my balance. I can run the trails when it's icy, just better footing. So I don't fall. Um, right footwear is the difference between life and death for a soldier. A lot of hand to hand combat. If, if a guy is Roman soldier, if he's slipping, he's going to die. Okay. You had to have the right footwear. It's the difference between victory and death. It's the difference between victory and defeat for us. Think about running, running shoes. If you're going to go run, you're going to run in work boots. Tell me, I don't think so. If you're going to bowl, what are you going to bowl in? Bowling shoes, not sandals. Okay. If you're going to play football, you're going to play football in cleats, not flip-flops. And if you're going to play basketball, you're going to wear high tops, not high heels. Okay, you got to have the right footwear. And so that's what he's teaching us here. The right shoes make the difference between winning and losing. And the first thing I think that he's teaching us here is to embrace peace. And that's the peace we have with God. That's the peace we have with God, first and foremost. You and I can stand confident because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son. We have peace with God. And so we're not supposed to go through this life you know, doubting all the time and wondering all the, you have a God that you've made peace with through his son. He's made peace with you. All right. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you have with God? You have peace. Okay. Romans 8, 31 through 39. I'll just give you a part of it. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who's going to, who's against us? And then later on, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who what? Loved us. You have peace with God. He loves you. You take that with you every single day. So we embrace peace with God, but I also think we need to embrace peace with people. And this isn't always easy, but this is a way to live in victory in this life. Let me give you three important verses when it comes to peace with people. Matthew 5, 9. Romans 12, 18, and Hebrews 12, 14. Matthew 5, 9, Romans 12, 18, and Hebrews 12, 14. Here's 5, 9 of Matthew. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What does God want you to be? A peacemaker. So you have a relative you're really at odds with, try to make peace. You have a coworker you just can't stand, be a peacemaker. You have a fellow believer you're at odds with, be a peacemaker. Romans 12, 18. You may say, well, I, I've tried, it's so hard, I want to make peace, they don't want peace. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So there are, there are times when it's impossible to make peace with somebody. I understand that. You've gone out of your way. You've tried your best. You've reached out to them. You've sought reconciliation and they will have none of it. Okay, well then you've done your job. It's all right. Then, then you trust them into the hands of the Lord and you move on, okay? Hebrews twelve fourteen, Pursue peace with all men. How many people? All, Okay. And the sanctification with which no one will see the Lord. So you pursue peace with everybody. 
So we, we embrace that peace with God and we pursue it with people. And here's, here's the last thing. And this is important as well, obviously, is we get to be ambassadors of Christ and help people come to peace with God. What a great way for a soldier with the right armor to think about this. Not to be so self-focused on ourselves, but to be thinking, how can I help people make peace with God? People that you work with, people that you're neighbors with. Romans 10, 15. How shall I preach without, unless they're sent? Just as written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Isaiah 52, 7 is what it's a quote of. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace. And that's what we do. We're announcing peace to people. They can come and know God, the God who wants to make peace with them. So be one that goes out and makes disciples of all nations. Go into the world, preach the gospel, and let's see people come come to faith and make peace with God. All right, so those are the first three parts of the armor. Combat ready. Number one, surround yourself with what? Truth. Number two, pursue all out righteousness. And number three, embrace peace. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the beginning of this armor. And and I pray that even as we leave this palace beautiful, that we would take these truths to heart, that we would live them out, and that you would help us recall them to mind and, and truly live these out. And we pray this in your name. Amen.